the San Francisco tree. Topo Chico! And... Welcome back. It's another Guitar Dead podcast. This is episode number 18. Sponsored by Core 4. Today we're ensconced in the Stone Castle Estates once again. I'm with New York Roll, my co-host. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty good on this fine day. It's like drought conditions out there. Yeah. Here in Iowa, we're experiencing super low humidity, which is really weird for this time of year. So like below 30% at times humidity and windy and it's like 90 degrees outside. It's like almost like we live in the desert Southwest or something. It's browning that way. Yeah, it yeah. sure is. It's not good. You cannot overwarded your gardens right now. No, well, you probably could, but it'd be hard to do. Well, yeah. And then your water bill is going to be like insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy. And then we got wildfire smoke in the air too. So all the fun stuff. So the fun stuff. So yeah. Um, where are we going to chat about today? I don't know. There's just this weird gravel event that happened at the beginning of June that's causing all kinds of problems. <laughs> you know, I did get a lot of, I did get feedback on the last podcast. You did. I was told, keep the rants going. Oh, people like um, the ranting. Huh? Well, <clears throat> the rider, the rider, uh, discussion about how to develop riders oh. that touched off a huge debate. Like, how do you intro people? And then, like, also the conversation that no one ever wants to have, but everyone always wants to have is, yeah. how do you subtly tell someone, yeah, no, we ain't riding with you. Right. Because, you know, it's... Safety. Yeah. You know? So, I don't think we'll touch on that today, but there is that... We have other ranty bits. Yeah, planned. but <laughs> for the most part, I thought people would be upset with us and... No, there was a lot of head nodding and um yeah, saying the thing that's not been said that everybody thinks. Exactly. Right. Right. So, okay, well, uh, let's talk about our sponsor then. Core 4. If you're looking for your next cycling adventure, they've got one for you this summer that challenges all the surface types. When the folks at Core 4 say no surface untouched, they mean it. Champagne gravel, pavement, speedy single track, and all the best B roads. Core 4 doesn't stop at four surface types. Pfft, four. And ethos to get all bodies on bikes comes through initiatives which support socioeconomic justice, gender equality, and bike advocacy. It's all about community, opportunity, recreation, and engagement at Core 4. Go early, bring the fam. They've got everything. Bikes, bevs, packet, pickup, party at Big Grove, live music, free camping, and a finish line fun for all. Do not miss the No Surface Untouched action in Iowa City on Saturday, August 19th. They have 150 and 25-mile options. Follow along on Instagram at core4.bike and get in on the lineup. All right, we'll have a link in the show notes for their site and registration so thanks to core four for being a sponsor and uh i want to first before we get into the the ranty bits we're gonna have a review roundup we haven't done that for a while let's go all right just a minute i'm gonna have a sip of my topo chico 
to ease my <laughs> parched throat. Because it's so dry out there. So dry. So dry. <sighs> Topo Chico. You know, since we picked up on the Topo Chico thing, I've noticed that lots of other people have too. Like Josh Scott of JHS Pedals. They did a big thing with Topo Chico. They even mention it all the time now. Other places I've seen, I'm like, did we start a trend? Yeah, <clears throat> I'm going to say no, but for the sake of the podcast, everyone wants to be us. That's right. <laughs> well, anyway, this is the review roundup, the section of the podcast where we talk about uh, items that I'm reviewing for either writing gravel or on my own blog, Guitar Ted Productions, both links of which you can find in our show notes. So the first thing that I want to talk about is an GPS computer that I got to take a look at called the Wahoo Element Roam. You got the second generation, right? Yes, I did. Okay. With the new Summit Freeride feature that they just added this spring. Did you were you aware of that? Is this the climbing? Well, they have a climb page okay. on on there, but this is something that wasn't on originally on the unit that they added later. So if you're riding along and, and um, there's a climb on your route that is that will register in their programming, uh, this startled the crap out of me when it happened the first time because I thought you had to physically choose this, you know, this option, but yeah. it, it's automatic. So I'm riding along and all of a sudden, beep, and I look down and it says climb in big letters. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, they, that's on. So full disclosure, I have the first generation ro yeah. Rome, and that was an update. Yeah, I would say that was probably um, this time last year, I'm guessing. Yeah, I, so, thought, I thought they said it was this spring that they added it. It could it be. I, it, well, I think they probably added it to when you when you bought the unit, it was already in it. Yeah. Thing. Well, at any rate, so it then it goes to the screen. doesn't matter what screen you've been using. It goes to the screen that tells you about the climb and the rate of climb and the how gradient. Fat, how fast. estimate to completion. Yeah, estimate yeah. to summit. Then the big word summit comes up when you get to the top. And you go, yahoo. <laughs> It's kind of fun. It annoys me. I can see where it would annoy people. Like, say if you're busy on something else and then that thing interrupts you, right? That's why it annoys me. I don't mind it telling me, hey, you're on a climb. Mm -hmm. Okay, got it. But go away while I'm doing this other thing. <laughs> yeah, so like this weekend, I was at Core 4 Backside. Which we'll talk about more in a little yep. bit. And it kind of pertains to this. There's some severe climbs on that. I shouldn't say severe, but there's some pretty... <clears throat> not Iowa nice climbs. Right. And uh, so I have the turn by turn on mm -hmm. and that page comes up when it says you're on a climb. Right. Which is annoying to me. Because what if you got to turn? Well, exactly. So I hit the dismiss button. Nope. Goes to that climb page. <laughs> so Wahoo, if you're listening, if I hit the dismiss button, that means I want to stay on the page. Yeah, I, was, I was wondering if that was an optional thing that you could opt out of. And I don't feel like going into the app to figure it out. Yeah, I got to get in there and see if you can do it. <laughs> you might be able to. You might be able to turn that feature off. But Yeah, that was something I wondered about when it happened yesterday because I was like, I can see where this would be something you wouldn't want at times. Yeah. I thought it was fun. It is and it isn't, right? Yeah. It's I mean, I, I like to, personally, I like to be distracted while I'm doing something really hard because then it's easier. Like if I'm talking to someone while I'm riding, I look down and I just did two miles at, you know, 17 miles an hour didn't even feel like anything. But if I'm by myself, I'm like dogging it, you know, because I'm, I don't know why. I'm thinking yeah. I'm the opposite. I don't want people around me. 
I don't want too many people around me, but you know, I like to be distracted. <laughs> no, I'm just, so yeah. So it's been interesting. The, the thing about the Wahoo element room that uh, has been to me, the best thing about it is it it's easy and it's fun where the last couple GPS computers I tried to, to uh, review and work with were horrible and they made me frustrated and they were everything but fun. Yeah. Wahoo's so. got pretty darn good customer service. Yeah. Um, I've had to, so I've had the Wahoo element. I had the Wahoo roam. Both of those I've had to exchange out. Mm-hmm. And usually it's, hey, send us some information, send us a trace, send us something, right? And they'll evaluate it. And nine times out of 10, they're like, here's a sticker, send it mm-hmm. back to us, box it up best you can, yep. drop it off at the UPS station. And then as soon as we get a cent, we're going to send you a replacement unit. Right. So their, their customer service is fairly good. It, I'd say it's above average. So that's something else going for Wahoo. But the fact that you, of all people, who are who is not computer savvy no. <laughs> or friendly, <laughs> yeah, is having a positive experience should speak something about that. I think I think it does, and I'm I'm happy that it's turning out good because a, a third strike in the gps world you know would be i would be done with the whole thing forever and you've done a sigma you've done hammerhead you've done a lasagne lasagne was okay but lasagne you know at the time i was using it they were so far off the back feature wise yeah i mean it worked it did what it's supposed to do which is more than i can say about the other two (laughs) well i i would say the lasagne lived a good life and died of natural causes (laughs) absolutely did (laughs) <laughs> Under the rear tire of my friend Tony McGrain's F one fifty. Newman. Damn it, Tony. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh moving on. So then I recently got to uh review a, a garment from Showers Pass. Typically their stuff is pretty good. I mean, if you go to their site and buy anything, I'm gonna bet most of the time it's gonna be a positive experience because everything I've ever reviewed from them has been pretty good. Uh, and this was no no exception except it had some oddities. So it's a wind jacket, long sleeve wind jacket, light weight, okay. packs down to the size of, well, smaller than this pint jar of salsa I have sitting in front of me. Delicious salsa. homemade salsa. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's delicious. Yeah. How about you try it first before right. you give me the New York Roll made this stuff, folks. So we'll, yeah. let you, we'll let you know how it came out in the next podcast. It's like that Pace Picante commercial. Yeah. New York City. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I love that commercial, but, um, it, it packs down really small. The jacket does not the salsa and, uh, you can whip it out of that little bag and put it on and be protected against winds and, you know, cold blasts of air and maybe even a little bit of mist. I would yep. say would probably ward off. Uh, it does have a high collar and everything. So, I mean, it'd be good if you were someone that lived in, Southern California, like my friend, uh, Michael Troy, when they get really hot, when they climb and when they go down, they get really cold because you know, you're not working at all. And you've yeah. got all the sweat all over you. So you throw this jacket on and it'd be lightweight. You can carry it with you. No big, no big deal. My only beef with it is, is that it doesn't have any way to, um, like a draw cord for the hem. So the hem is just it's, it's just open. Big. Yeah, it's just open, which is kind of weird for a wind jacket because you would think you'd want to be able to zip that shut so no wind would get up the back side of it or the front side of it or whatever. You got but, a couple of choices. You can take some clothesline clips mm-hmm. or gain some weight. 
<laughs> Tighten it up down there. <laughs> yeah, but otherwise, I thought it was really nice. So uh, we'll put a link in the show notes for that. The uh, second, third thing I've been using lately that I've been fairly impressed with are the Tifosi Rail uh, sunglasses. Yeah, I mean, people are talking about your blog. Oh, they are. Like when I went down to Core Four, they're like, expletive, positive expletive. Tafosi been on using those for years. Oh my God. You know, they're just <laughs> singing their praises. Yeah. Well, Tafosi is kind of a, a unique in that they give you uh, near top of the line eye eyeglass or eyewear uh, sunglass protection for under a hundred bucks. Yeah. And it, so it's a value proposition. And I think a lot of people are attracted to that. Um, good fashion sense, um, good fit, finish, everything everything you'd want in a pair of sunglasses and you're starting to see other companies kind of mimic them like gooder. I know yeah. they're kind of in that same ballpark, you know, you're starting to hear a lot about them now, but Tifosi has been around for like ever. Did you know, little known fact, did you know that Tifosi was the sponsor of the very first trans Iowa? So they've been in the gravel scene since the beginning. I did not know that. Yep. They gave everybody that signed up for the first trans Iowa a free pair of Tifosi sunglasses. And that's our history for the day. The swag bag for the first Trans Iowa was incredible. Oh, was it? Yes, because there was not only that. Not only did every participant get a free pair of Tifosi sunglasses, they got a free pair of Ergon grips too. Didn't they also? Wasn't Hammer involved or? Uh, there might have been. Yeah, there might have been. Remember some Cliff or someone? Yeah, I think it was probably Hammer. All right. Jeff was sponsored by Hammer then, so I'm sure we had Hammer gel in everybody's bags. And I mean, there was probably $150 worth of goods in the swag bag for a race that cost everybody $40 at that time. Yeah, it just cost you a postcard and gas to get there. Well, it was 40 Actually, we charged. Oh, did you? For the first two because we were <gasps> covering our insurance. You? Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. We hadn't, that's all we covered. We just wanted to cover our insurance, and that was it. So um, we figured that that price for 50 people and that you, we were letting we could cover our insurance. And you had to declare it for two days because it was a, over mm -hmm. a 24-hour mm -hmm. event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the insurance went up the next year. And then the third year we said, screw it. We're going to do it without insurance. And I never did insurance again for the next 12 years. You are a rebel with a cause. Yeah. Just because they say you have to do something doesn't mean you have to do something. <laughs> Who's going to find out? <laughs> Until it goes sideways. Yes, there are out? consequences that may, may occur, but, you know, hey. Um, so, Tifosi, yeah. And then the last thing is, I don't know how you say it. Is it Sidero? Yeah, Sidero. Sidero. I got a Sidero tank top pack. My wife actually bought it for me at, um, down there at Unbound. We were there for the Gravel Cycling Hall of Fame. I may actually be stopping in their shop. Yeah? Two weeks when I go up for Lutz and 99er. Cool. I like the, I like this top two bag. It's really nice. It's they, a wax canvas one. They make good stuff. Yeah. I, I like their bar hopping burrito bags. Yeah. They're small. They're good. They're a front barrel bag. Mm -hmm. They literally can stick a burrito in and that's about it. But what do you really need to do when you're out yeah. there, you know, kind of party riding, you know? Yeah. Carry one a can, can of, one can one tall boy can of IPA and a Yeah. Car what, keys. Yeah. You know? Car keys. Yeah. Not that I'm advocating you use the car keys with the IPA at the same time. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, you can stick your knickknacks yeah. and, yeah. you know. Yeah, so we'll put show we'll put links in the show notes to all these reviews and just want to make people aware that um, 
it's some of this stuff is on Guitar Ted Productions blog, and some of it's on Writing Gravel. So we'll have. I'm just trying to remember the town that Sidero's in because they're it's also, up there. It's up there in the Arrowhead, isn't it? <clears throat> yeah, it's not two harbors. I can't remember the time. Maybe it is two harbors. Anyways, when I did the heck epic, yeah, we we camped overnight, not too far from there. But um, their shop is also a bike shop slash pizza shop slash you know everything, and um, they have a pretty good flatbread pizza in there. So you yeah. can go look at bikes, and then you can see a dude in the back just you know sewing away you know, making product. So it's kind of cool. They got like an open floor format unless they've changed things. I don't know. They've yeah. never been there. Two harbors. You're right. Yep. As I get younger, my memory is fading. Well, you know, that can happen. Too much Topo Chico. Yeah. Get that Topo Chico <laughs> in you, man. You get hopped up. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, that's the end of the review roundup. So now I had labeled this section, more unbounding. <laughs> it's kind of like, it's the, like the, the event that won't die. <laughs> and the sad part is like, I, I think the caveat is we just need to come to terms. It's not the race that we all grew that we all, that most of us want it to be. Mm-hmm. It's changing. Oh, it, it's well, evolving. It yeah, Technology is evolving it. Right. And we just have to accept that. But that doesn't mean you can't complain along the way. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody has the right to complain, right? Yeah. So uh, it seems like that's the reason to tear for most social media comments. Yeah. So, you so know. I, I don't know where we, I'll let you start and I'll just pipe in if I have something snarky to say. Well, you will. Um, <laughs> that's a given. Is Dave breathing? Yes. He's got a shot to make a snarky comment. Yes. 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 <laughs> So I think there's a couple of intangibles at play here that are causing all the, the kerfuffle um, that you see even today. I noticed a new story coming that came out today and the race was what, a week and a half ago? Yeah. So um, it's like the unbound unraveling. Yes. Maybe that's what we should have called this section. Um, but uh, so there's some intangibles, I think. So first of all, I want to say that there's a lot of people who are upset about the mud that it ended a lot of races too soon. That's the big sticking point for a lot of people. So let me ask a question. How many forms of racing that you know of that there is no chance that something will happen that will take you out of the event? No zero chance that you could go to any kind of an event, competitive event and have nothing happen that would take you out. I can't even I can't, say I can't even say Zwifting. Yeah, if you're on a race on Zwift, you can have electrical shortage, right? Or your There's, system could flicker, right? So, so t- when people say to me, or I read that, well, this this sucks because I put in six months of training and it was all gone in the first eleven miles. I, I'm sorry, that happens all the time in all forms of competitive activity. I'm gonna. You're say, not the only person. I'm gonna say you missed the journey, dude. Right, you right. Missed the journey. Right. Yeah. Like you, theoretically, you made yourself a better person. Yeah. Along the way. Exactly. And you were just so focused on that one day. Right. That you didn't understand you were 
making yourself a better person along the way. You're challenging yourself. Right. You are setting goals, accomplishing the goals, right. making another so, goal. So what you're saying is that, that everything you did up to that point is meaningless because you didn't get to finish. That's what, completely meaningless. That's what it was I'm a reading. Waste of time. So right? I'm like, so yeah. building blocks mean jack and squat. Right. Right. So I think that's where, where a lot of people have, uh, they need to stop and think about what they're saying. I think if they really stop to think about it, they realize that what you just said and more. Um, but look, look, I mean, pro football players, first game of the year, blow out a knee the rest of the season. They're all that training, all that time they took to get it in the NFL, their knee goes bad. Now they're have to rehab for the rest of the year. Is that what, you know, tell me that's not the same thing. It's the same thing. Or, Let's say an auto race team is getting ready for the Indy 500 and they get out there in the first lap, they blow a motor. Yeah. You I, know, I mean, tell me a form, of, a form of competition where that doesn't happen. I, I'm going to go back to Dave Roll being a young kid and doing T-ball. <laughs> okay. You remember? Remember those <laughs> yeah, days? Oh, yeah, I remember that. So, uh, well, you don't remember me, but you remember the days of T-ball. And I remember a comment that I made and this is a great life lesson from, from my coach. Um, I made a comment. I can't remember what it was. And he grabbed my arm. He says, it's okay not always to win. It's okay to lose. Yeah. It's not okay to accept losing. And it's not okay to feel, your so- self, so- feel sorry for yourself for losing. He goes, you wake up tomorrow. You, you lost that day. You wake up tomorrow. And you dust yourself off and you get back after it. Right. He goes, it's okay to be down for a minute. Right. But um, it's not for you know, a lifetime. Right. You know, and there I am like a six-year-old kid. And, you know, I'm like. Yeah. Huh? That's good. That's <laughs> a good lesson. I mean, you know, like you said, though, you, you this, and like you said, there's, there's all those building blocks that mean something. Yeah. It should mean something, you know, it should mean if nothing else, you're a healthy person that's the better off than you were when you, before you started training. Yeah. So, I mean, and that got drilled into me. Grief. <laughs> it got drilled into me wrestling. Yeah. I mean, the cone brothers, my God, we would do sharks. I either had to take Jared out and then I had to go against his brother, Joe, because we we're also such in the weight classes yeah. together. Like I was getting, you know, I couldn't ever mm-hmm. beat him. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I started rolling him over. I started yeah. pinning him. You know, I started, or maybe you don't, you know, yeah. and, and maybe you learn something about perseverance. It's okay to be Don Quixote. Right. You know, it's okay to charge those windmills yep. as long as and you know that you have to make a change yeah. to try to get around the obstacle in front of you. You learn about, you yeah. learn about the life and things. And, you know, the other point that I made in my blog uh, last week when I wrote about Unbound, um, actually it was this week, um, was that failure is an option. Yeah, it's, well, you have to go into these events understanding that there's a possibility that things might go pear-shaped and you won't finish. And we'll, we'll cover that later because I have a personal event coming up that I am scared about completing. Right. I've done that distance before and I've done that course before. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm in the numbers wise, I'm in the best shape on bike right now. Numbers wise, Mm -hmm. my FTP is the highest it's ever been. My ride times, my mileage is great. I am still nervous that I will not complete Lutz and 99er. Yeah. Yeah, it's possible it's, that you won't. I mean, yeah. And then, then what do you do? You, you start ranting. I sign up again next year and I drill it. There you go. That's exactly what you do. So, 
the other intangibles that are at play here. And I think a lot of the reason why we're continuing to hear about this, uh, unbound thing is, uh, one is the pandemic. Oh, so you might think, well, what's that got to do with anything? Well, think about the promoter or the owner of unbound is lifetime fitness. And during the pandemic, their gyms weren't open and that meant that their revenue was way down. Yeah. So when events cranked back up again, they were looking at that as an opportunity to kind of make up some lost revenues. So they pumped up the numbers for this event. They had more riders this year than they've ever had before. Which we've kind of said is crazy right. for the scale of those roads. Right. So they've upscaled the event beyond, I think, what is reasonable for, for, the, for that type of event. I do have a suggestion for that. But, you know, that was, that's one, one thing. So that meant that a lot of those people that were there this year were first-timers. They, and maybe that was their first gravel event. So uh, they probably don't know or didn't care to look into the history of the event, what the event stood for, uh, past participants' experiences that they could have read about and, uh, you know, went to school on. So had they, and I'm not saying they didn't, I'm sure some people did do that and then failed anyway, but at least they understood going in that that was a possibility. These other people who didn't, were like taken by surprise by this. Uh, you know, they've never really re- ever rerouted courses at Unbound. They've kind of played with that idea, but they've never done it that, that I know of. And uh, in 2015, which was a very similar situation to this year's Unbound, where lots of people didn't finish, the finishing yeah. rate was really low uh, due, to, due, due to the same road, ironically, <laughs> that got rained on uh, in that year's event. Um, you know, those people, there was a lot of people at, the, at that one too, that, that were taken by surprise. They didn't understand that this could happen to them. And the other side, other side of that is, uh, the people that are complaining about the mud and why did you make us go through there? Well, there was a lot of people who were successful. How, how could that be? What did they do different that you didn't do? Yeah. Were they just dumb luck. Was it dumb luck? I doubt it. They probably had some plan, you know? <laughs> I, I mean, we've talked about it before. At least think through something. You may right. not have all the equipment, but at least think through the issues you may have. If I come across a bear at ninety at the ninety nine er, my plan is to out sprint it, and hopefully, I'm not the slowest cyclist. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a good plan. Dave. It's never a good plan, but hey, yeah. you know, ring ring the dinner bell, baby. So anyway, you know, one of the intangibles was they pumped a lot more people in the event this year, and probably a lot of them were rookies or didn't understand what they were getting into if it got to that kind of a situation. Yeah. Now, here's another thing, thing too, that I posed on today's blog. What if it wasn't mud this year, but what if it was the temperature got to 106 and it was windy? I... The one year I did the DK half pint, the 100, it's like it was 2014. Yeah. We actually had cattle crossing in front of us. Right. Well, yeah, they go through open range. Yeah. 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 We, we had cattle going in front of us for about like 20 minutes. Right. Well, there's trains that can stop. There were trains that stopped people at this yeah. one. You know? So we waited. I mean, that's just part of the unbound experience. You, you need to understand that these things can and do happen at unbound. And if you don't like the idea of that, don't go to it. 
It's not for you, which we'll probably say more during this podcast. But anyway, uh, another intangible was that cycling media has a slow news cycle right now. They had the spring classics and then everything up to the end of May. They had the, the, um, the Giro to talk about. Yep. And then at the end of May, well, there was Unbound at the first weekend of June. And now there's nothing going on till the tour. I mean, there's some racing, racing going on in, in Europe, but nobody really ever gets excited about that. It never really have. So there's a few people who are nerds about it and get it, get down with Tour de Suisse and all these things. But for the most part, the majority of people are waiting for the Tour de France to happen. That's obviously the big one. Yep. And so in between there, the, the news cycles gets pretty slow. Add to the fact that with supply chain issues that are happening right now, nobody's introducing anything new, which typically you would have that to talk about if you were in the cycling media. So, you know, they're, they're looking for clicks. So that's why they're kind of stretching this story out to, you know, it's been a week and a half. Come on. It's that you're beating a dead horse, people. It's the same story over and over again. So, um, that's, and here we are talking about it, right? So I guess we, we're no better, but, um, I, I think that's part of it too. That's an intangible here that, that you need to consider because if it had been a normal year and something else had been going on, uh, right after unbound, they, everybody had been moved on from this by now. So, yeah, I think going forward, if I was the, uh, unbound race directing team, I would be thinking about setting this up like Leadville and have gates. Yeah. I mean, you got side streets there. Yeah. I, I would seriously thinking about, okay, put my male pros up front, repeat the same formula, maybe give it a little bit space. You know, with it, I forgot what they, what the time diff. It was a 10 minute overall spacing, but I think they went to eight then then eight minutes. I think I think they something like that. Anyways, maybe I would make it 15 minutes, launch the, launch the pros off. Mm-hmm. If we don't go to the separate, separate day scenario, which I think is valid. At this point, I've got some ideas about that. Yeah. But uh, I'm just saying, if you're going to do it all in one day, I would do gates. And when I mean gates, do separate wave starts and have racers provide resumes, race resumes. And if you don't have one, okay, guess what? Um, give us an FTP test or something. Yeah. Give us something to assess your physical, you know, ability. And an FTP test is a crappy way to go about it, but it's, it's at least an independent test. Yeah. Um, that doesn't describe you as a person. It doesn't just talk about your grit. Doesn't talk about right. your determination. Doesn't talk about your bike handling skill or your mental. State yeah, it's or, just yeah. a data output. Mm-hmm. You know. Maybe you're really good suffering on a erg trainer. Don't know. Yeah. But um, where I'm going with this, though, is you have your gate starts, and then if you're doing the resume system, you can put, using air quotes, the better riders up front mm-hmm. further in the field, and then you're staggering back to the more unskilled rider. Yeah. I'm trying to find a nice way of phrasing it. And what I'm thinking is, so you're trying to deconflict issues on a narrow course, mm-hmm. really. You're, you're taking a lot of, of the mass start struggles because you'll have people that have no business 
because you know they're going to ride 100 miles in 12 hours. Yeah. But darn it, they're going to be two rows back from the start. Yeah. And you're passing them the first half a mile. Yeah. And they just create a jam around them, right? Yeah. And I'm not saying they don't have the right to be up there. They do because they paid to play too, just yeah. like everyone else. But that might help deconflict uh MMR or a level B road that's that early in on a race. Yeah. The fast cats will blow right through. They'll open a line maybe, or maybe they're going to muck up a line. Who knows? But yeah. when they're more, and I'm of course ex- equating speed with skill mm-hmm. and a positive correlation, which isn't right. Yeah. But I don't know a better way to do it off the top of my head. Um, you put the faster riders up front, they blow through that MMR muddy section, and that at least leaves somewhat of a trail for the remainder of the field to follow. Yeah. I don't know that that was a problem, though. I think the problem was just people were trying to ride that stuff, and they didn't understand what they were into. Well, I think the problem is those people, a good chunk of the people that are upset about it, probably should look into randoneering. <laughs> I'm not joking. Yeah, Paved right. surfaces, yeah. remote roads, usually yeah. usually brevets and rent and those are out on well, they call that Audax in England, don't they? Yeah, yeah. I believe. For but, our less than or around two percent of listeners from England, by the way. But um <laughs> you can you can you know, they're 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 a timed event. Yeah. There's no winners, right. there's no losers. Right. Um, but that's ha- not the thing right now. It's not the, gravel hey, is the thing, man. Scale either <laughs> scale your expectations back, yeah. or understand what you're signing up yeah. for and accept the risk. It, yeah, I've I've read a couple articles because I'm on this podcast. Other than that, I wouldn't even give a crap about this event. Yeah, but I've read a couple articles and I'm like, dude, you got sour grapes. You didn't know what you signed up for. Well, I think that's true with a lot of people. I mean, I've been paying attention to some of the um, reposting of unbound uh, oriented articles on Facebook in the comment section, read, just read the comments. And it's pretty easy to see that people don't understand it. They don't understand the event. They don't understand people, why people would want to do that event. And they are armchair quarterbacking it to be easier and different because this is unfair, you know? Well, and then other people are laughing like, well, look at these jokers. They don't know what they didn't know what they were getting into. So there's two ways to look at it. And I've seen both sides of that, but you know, let's, let's talk about the philosophy of the, this kind of event. All right. So that's the problem. The real problem goes back to, and I'm going to say it's money. Yeah. The problem is money. Right. So, you know, when you, when you're charging someone almost $300 and making them go through a lottery just to have the chance to line up on commercial street at the end, at the beginning of June to ride this event, they're going to come there with not only having spent that money for that, that, but money to get their travel, uh, lodging, you know, supplies. Maybe they bought a new bike. Maybe they went through some coaching to make sure they could do 200 miles and spent money on that. So it wouldn't be outlandish to think that someone spent somewhere between a thousand and five thousand dollars to do unbound, yeah. depending on how much you throw at it. So when you do that, you feel entitled to a result, right? Because you spent this money, you want something for your money. 
I hate that word entitled, but I know what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, you expect a result. You expect a return right. on your you investment. Ex- right, exactly. Yeah. And, and that return on investment may get crapped out in mile 11 because you blew your derailleur off your, your fancy carbon gravel bike and all that training and all that travel money and all that lodging money and that entry fee just went down the toilet. That's, your, that's the attitude that I see, right? And I'm like, you did not understand what right. you were signing up for. Right. And it wasn't even in the fine print. Right. I mean, look at their marketing picks. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty easy if you don't, if you just do a shallow dive into Unbound, you'll find out all this stuff. Hey, dude, I want to climb Mount McKinley. Yeah. You find me an escalator. (laughs) Well, you know, and, but but the, see, the the thing is that you're never going to be able to, to clear that hurdle about the money thing because that expectation. And I, I had a comment in my own blog that said, well, people, you know, you can't compare this year's event to any past DK event or even Trans-Iowa because people paid a lot of money for this and they should expect to be able to uh, have a yeah. say about things. And, I, and that's, the, that's, that's a real thought that people have. They expect to be able to have a say in how the thing is run because they paid the money. I say, you do. Don't go. Right, right. Your say is... Not advocating boycotting. What I'm saying is, if you don't like how an events run, don't go. Right. It's that simple. You mm-hmm. don't have to give the money. Right. I don't consider that boycotting. Boycotting is you're making a choice, right? Yeah, you're it's making, an informed choice. And the, and the thing is that uh, Unbound has been blown up to be the greatest gravel show on earth, so everybody wants to do it. And they think a lot. There's some people who think that's the only gravel event that exists, or one of the only two or three. They don't understand that there's probably between six and 700 gravel events, which is one of the reasons we do gravel amplifier across the United States and the rest of the world. So you don't have to do unbound. You can go do the event that is really catered to and doesn't have any chance of mud and so on and so forth. You know, yeah, you're not going to get the, the finish line picture and have five, you know, 1500 people screaming for you when you come down the finishing shoot in commercial street, you're not going to get that. But you know, there's compromises that we all have to make. (laughs) Yeah. I, so I just struggle with the selfish thinking. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to. It's there's some of that. It's me and myself and I, and I paid this money. Well, you you didn't have to do this event. This event is not restricting your freedom of movement. This right. event is a luxury. Right. And when I say a luxury is like, you could have spent that money doing something else. Right. You know, right. you didn't have to. You, I, well, we're, we are very privileged to be able to do something like Unbound. Extremely, well, extremely so. privileged. Right. I mean, so. think about the distance you're riding and you don't have to worry about getting robbed, mugged, being kidnapped, held for ransom. You don't have to worry about Run over a, by a car. You don't have to worry about a roadside <laughs> bomb cooking off on right. you. You don't have to, you know, there, there's, there's so many weird ways I can take this. Right. I mean, we live, I don't care what the news media says. I know what I see with my own eyes. We live in a very safe country. Yeah. And someone's screaming at me right now. And I'm like, <laughs> I want you to run the numbers. Yeah. You know, I'm more scared of being in a car accident, whether I'm on a bike or even in a car. 
yeah. than a lots of other things right. in life. Right. Um, that's true. Because that's what the data tells me. When, yep. I, when I run the numbers, that's what it tells me. Yeah. Um, it's like the comment I made last night with Joe riding back. I go, if I get killed by a vehicle on bike, it's going to be on this road because of this stupid bridge on Fletcher Ave. That's yeah. three quarters of a mile from this house. Right. If I die, it's going to be there because they have a nice newly paved wide road and they truncate it down to a lane and a half bridge. Yeah. A bridge that's been that wide for probably 60 or 70 yeah. years and, and they never changed it I've and they just fixed it. <laughs> that's, you know, which is infuriating that they didn't change it. You're <laughs> and the worst part is, is like where I could ride my bike, they, they made the step up curb even mm-hmm. higher. Mm hmm. Instead of, oh, I noticed that too. Oh, don't get me yeah. started. But no, anyways, I'm, I'm with you on that but one. I, that's, that's my choke point. That's my yeah. hangup. That's where yeah. I'm like, you yeah. know, that's where I see it coming at. So on the one hand, the, 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 the person looking at buying this experience, <laughs> uh, has to realize that there's risks involved. Yeah. Right. And the risks are always going to be there Two, The other flip side of it is the unbound side of it. So this is something that a lot of people don't think about either. Unbound started off, and we kind of alluded to this earlier, Unbound started off as an event that's completely 180 degrees opposite of what it is now. It started out as a very low cost, low barrier to entry, super underground uh, challenge that if you, can you do this? What can you make your body do that you didn't think you could make it do before kind of thing? And yeah, you might get into a thunderstorm and yeah, you might have to ride through 106 degree heat and yeah, there might be mud and there. So those things can happen to you on this course. And can you overcome those things and ride 200 miles? And, and you know, that's how the event started. Well, then someone got the idea that, well, wow, isn't there a way that we can kind of leverage this to benefit the city of Emporia and yeah, well, let's bring it downtown and make it a little bit more fancy. And then the event directors were like, um, this is eating up a lot of my time now. And, you know, I can't really can't devote the amount of time I'd like to devote to it to make it better. Uh, I need to make money on this so I can quit my job and just devote my, my, energies towards this event so that's the next step and are is any of that wrong is any of that wrong no none of that's wrong but we have this this overriding philosophy in our culture that says a successful event or business or whatever has a growth in numbers either that's sales or people attending the event or what have you and we we have uh, success if we're making more money. Yeah, the numbers that, have that, to always be going up. Right, the numbers always have to go up. So that's that's the overriding definition of success in our country. Which I've always laughed at. Right. So when you apply that to an event, a gravel event, you always have to keep having more people come to it. You always have to have more money coming in somehow and be able to turn that back over into the business and to get more people to come, you have to have amenities. You have to have experience. You know, their experience has to be there to make people want to come yeah. back. So what happened with Unbound was over the years, the better part of two decades, uh, you've had them trying to cling to the vestiges of what the event started out as, but yet 
make it a corporate affair and have a curated experience to to a degree and the two things are are at polar opposites of each other and and they're pulling at each other so when you get into like say let's say none of the history of dk existed before before and this year if it was just like this was the first year they ran the event and they would say the event directors would say well we can't send those people through that three miles of mud we'll never get anybody to come back we'll do a reroute i guarantee there would have been a reroute but because they're trying to hold on to the history and the tradition they didn't do it because that's not how they've done it i I, i'm of the camp of it's on the race director it's on that group to lay out a safe course and understand the hazards along the way yeah and i don't think putting the people through the mud was unsafe i just think it made people mad because they broke their equipment and lost a lot of time and couldn't finish i'm kind of like of the group of you're invited to a party you accepted the invitation right and now you're telling the host how to run the show you're getting in the kitchen I, yeah. I don't like that. Right. Um, well, I, that's chaos. Yeah. I, I think a simple way to filter a lot of people out, and you kind of mentioned it in your blog today, is screw providing maps. Everyone gets cue sheets at the starts. Yeah. You can rock your GPS, but it's going to be a cue sheet raced, and I guarantee you'll see the field halved. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's why I say Unbound has to kind of decide what they want to be. Do they want to be a full-on corporate-run curated experience you have a lot of people happy at the end well then you're going to run it different than you do now you're not going to run it like you did this year and you probably get rid of 200 miles right or you might have 200 miles but it's going to be completely different it's going to be so supported that 80 percent of your people will finish no matter what the weather is and you know that's where they want to go and that's where if that's what you want to do great but i think the problem is there's this there's this tug of war between what it what they kind of are pushing towards is making money. You know, they want to satisfy their board of directors. You know, they want to satisfy their stakeholders. They want to satisfy their sponsors, you know, and and they want you, the racer to come and pay for it. I think they just want to satisfy this podcast. So they give us stuff to talk about, (laughs) (laughs) but it's a business first, right? So back when it first started, it wasn't a business. Then it was, it had nothing to do with business. Yeah. So, but yet they're still trying to hold on to that. So, you know, that's the thing that's a problem, I think. You got anything else to say? No, I don't have anything to say. <laughs> I, I'm trying to keep this under an hour today. I'm sorry. <laughs> that, and I think we've dragged the horse yeah. that was dead back out of the right. barn. I think we've gone to the yeah. glue factory to get its corpse out. Yeah. Well, anyway. <laughs> Should I talk about... Uh, core four backside review. Yeah. Um, I went down there. I rocked my uh, Santa Cruz blur. That's a lavender colored bike. Um, I that's wanted, important by the way. Yep. Cause <laughs> I went down there and I want to test it out for the Lutz of 99. Yeah. I want to test out my setup. I got the B rad bo- water bottle set up on it from Wolf tooth. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to evaluate where I was at with Lutzen. And uh, so I ran that. And it had some B roads in it, lots of B roads actually. It was a 66 mile course. It was just short of 67. So if you did like an extra lap around the parking lot, you got to 67 miles. Um, the single track in and around Iowa City and Coralville was firm. It was rainy. 
it was drizzly. It was like kind of a couple unexpected showers went through down there. Yeah. And it held up nice. Um, the bike paths were a bit confusing. So even with running a GPS, you had to zoom in. Oh. Because what it showed on the GPS and what reality was, was some of those turns that looked like to be like 90 degree turns were kind of like 45 back at you. You know what I mean? Oh, like really sharp back. Yeah. So you're like, whoops. And when you're looking at the GPS, you're like, ah, your brain, there's some brain confusion going on there. But I think on race day, they would mark it. Yeah. I'm guessing. We'd think so. Um, And the couple of paved roads we were on, they were empty. Mm -hmm. wasn't a problem or there was a wide shoulder on it. Yeah. And you were so far into that day, like pack riding, wouldn't it be really a problem? Mm -hmm. Maybe like you and 10 other people at most would be doing a chain gang, but you know what I mean? It's, it was, the shoulders were big enough. It can support it. Um, the single track was good. There was some confusing parts on the single track, but that's from people creating Strava holes and other stuff. (laughs) Um, overall it was a great free ride. Uh, I did have a safety event in that ride. You did? Yeah, it was probably around mile 52. Um, we crossed back over I-80, went through two uh, construction zones. And because I was on the mountain bike, I was following Super Dave. And Super Dave was following a guy from Iowa City named Thaddeus. And I was puppy dying. I was, you know, I had my... I was puppy pawing the handlebars. So I had my hands in tight and just kind of relaxed. And I looked up to scan ahead of me and all I could see was super Dave. And I tucked my head back down and I thought we were out of the construction zone and a construction detour sign clipped my right handlebar. (laughs) And next thing I know is like, um, the handlebars bouncing off my pock helmet and I smashed the back of my head on the ground because it, it hit, I was go, we were probably clipping around 20. So it literally picked my front handlebar up. I'll show you the cut on my uh, grip. Yeah. I get, had to order new wolf tooth grips today, huh. but there's a gash right across it. I'll show you later. But um, I cut my right arm, road rash, my left elbow. Um, I just remember I was in the middle of the road laying there and I looked down the hill towards the uh, where traffic would be coming. Yeah. And I was just like, all right, I'm not going to die right now, but I want to do a safety check in my head before <laughs> I try getting up. Yeah. And this minivan stopped and the guy gets out. These two gentlemen get out and they're like, are you okay? And I'm like dragging my blur off the road, hiding behind yeah. the sign. And I'm like, yeah, I think, I think my pride's damaged. And both those guys started busting out laughing. They're like, oh my God, thank you. That was the funniest thing I've seen in a long time. <laughs> and I'm just like looking, I'm like, I want to laugh with you so bad, but right now is not the moment. Yeah. And then those guys, the two guys I was riding with, they turned around, got me. And then um, they asked me some questions to, because I made the comment. I go, I may have a concussion. How many fingers am I holding up? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we did a quick and we waited. And then, um, cause my stomach got really nauseous. Yeah. And, um, I kind of had the pucker factor in my butt. Mm -hmm. So that from life experiences, that tells me adrenaline was kicking through my body. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know if my stomach was nauseous from the adrenaline or if I had a concussion because I've had a concussion before my stomach was nauseous. Oh, and so I was like, you know, there's all different kinds of concussions. I think I've been concussed my entire life, but we won't (laughs) go into that. 
Um, anyways, but I'm just saying there's a lot of other things, but right. those are the symptoms I had other sure. than like instant pain in areas. That I think your problem was you riding a lavender bike. <laughs> I'll change the name to Periwinkle. <laughs> but um, for as much as I preach about safety, I too make mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. That's I mean, the point of happen, it, right? That's the point of it. Yeah. No one got hurt other than me. Right. And right. it could have been a hell of a lot worse. Yep. Right. Could you have know, been. I figured I'd share that because, you know, we're all fallible and that's the point. Yeah. Right. Yep. That and Super Dave was happy. He still has a riding partner. There you go. Anyways, that covers core four. Overall, okay. that was a good ride. Well, let's talk about core four a little bit more in just a minute here. Uh, they're our sponsor, of course. And uh, you can go to this event that uh, the back, what was it called? The backside, backside. that was kind of a pre-ride of part of the course. Is that right? I believe it's the final 60-ish miles, the final 50-ish. So if you want to go see what uh, New York Roll is talking about, uh, you can go down there this summer, challenge yourself on all surface types, hopefully not hit any construction signs. Um, When the folks at Core 4 say no surface untouched, they mean it. Champagne, gravel, pavement, speedy single track, and all the best B-roads. Core 4 doesn't stop at four surface types. An ethos to get all bodies on bikes comes through initiatives which support socioeconomic justice, gender equality, and bike advocacy. It's all about community, opportunity, recreation, and engagement at Core 4. Go early, bring the family. They've got everything. Bikes, bevs, pickup party at Big Grove Brewery, live music, free camping, and finish line fun for all. Do not miss the No Surface Untouched action in Iowa City on Saturday, August 19th. They have 150 mile and 25 mile options. Follow along on Instagram at core4.bike and get in the lineup. All right. Do you, you have any gravel lamps? Yes, I do. All right. So the gravel amplifier section is next. And it is the section where New York Roll and I pick out a little known gravel event and amplify it because, as we said before, there are more than three or four gravel events in the United States. And we'd like you to know about some of them. So the one I've picked out is actually part of the Iowa Gravel Series, uh, the head of which is Chris McQueen, who we interviewed earlier this year. I think it's, was it this year or was it the end of last year? I can't remember. Maybe it was before Christmas. Yeah, it was right around then. Anyway, uh, this one's called the Albia Holy Cow. And they have a winged cow for an insignia, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, it's on July 15th. Uh, field limit's 150, although in one other place I saw the field limit was 100, so I'm a little confused on that. But anyway, uh, it is a um, uh, 100K, so 63 miles-ish event, and it costs $65. They can get a post-meal ticket with that, and they have aid stations. They also have a $35 option, which is just to go ride the course. It's not yep. non-competitive which is kind of cool. So if you don't want to, you know, if you don't want to race, you just want to ride it, you can. But anyway, um, you go to uh, www.iowagravelseries.com. You can find out more about the Albia Holy Cow. And mine takes us to central New York. Yes. Uh, The CNY Women's Cycling Gravel Clinic, so ladies only. It's on June 25th in Truxton, New York. It's $25. Field limit is 25 
And when I looked today, it looked like uh, there was 20 spots left. It's put on Cork Monkey by Cork Monkey Racing. Yeah, I thought that was funny. <laughs> and, um, well, there's, I'll explain why I think the name's Cork Monkey. And uh, what they're claiming is you'll learn how to descend, climb, corner, tire pressure, uh, riding gear, and evaluate a course. A gravel course. Yes. Yeah. But uh, the reason why they call it Cork Monkey is because you're, I think you're technically on the edge of the Finger Lakes. Yeah. And all the vineyards over there. I was going to say it has something to do with wine. Yep. 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 I figured it probably did. So you don't have to ride gravel to enjoy wine, but I will tell you, uncork New York. Come on, world. Uncork New York. (laughs) Is it okay if you ride the couch? (laughs) I I tell you what, uh, Huron Hills makes a damn good Riesling. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So um, Morgan has a friend that she went to college with yeah. and then she went out to cornell to finish her degree yeah. i believe her doctorates <clears throat> and she found out oh, I, she was her friend found out she was dating me and mm-hmm. we were going in new york and was like and she was pregnant and she grabbed morgan's arm and was like you will bring me a bottle of her on hill Ooh. riesling so we were kind of yeah strong-armed into providing yeah. providing some riesling how do you open this Tobo Chico? You use my <laughs> Korean bottle opener. Korean? That I stole from a bar in Korea. Oh, cool. Yeah, so that's Hangul lettering on there. But yeah, that's what I got. Nice. All right. Well, I think that'll probably wrap it up. Uh, we can almost guarantee that our next uh, podcast won't have anything about Unbound. <laughs> Lies. <laughs> I think 50% of our podcast re-reference it somehow. It is the premier gravel. I mean, it's kind of so. like me name dropping Mike Maney, which I hadn't yeah. done all episode till now. <laughs> That's a good thing it lasted this long. <laughs> <laughs> all right, folks, we appreciate you listening. We appreciate Core Four for sponsoring us. Give us a shout out on your social media. Tell your friends about us. We appreciate it. But for now, thanks. This is Guitar Ted New York Roll. Over and out.